All right, good morning everyone. If you've not yet helped yourself to coffee, feel free to do so. Just a reminder before we begin our weekly Shir and Amuna, tonight, Wednesday night, is our second installment of our conference call on intimacy with the incredible therapist Naomi Berger. It's at 8.30 p.m. You could call in confidentially and with anonymity. You could submit anonymous questions in advance, and it's a very important aspect to marriage. Numerous marriages of all ages and lengths of time are struggling with uh, this particular area, because I think of an era in which we live. So uh, we'll be discussing uh, really important, in a very frank and open way, um, topics that are often not discussed, but in a very modest way. So it's tonight at 8.30, feel free to call in. Our Emunashir reminder, is dedicated to Eloi Nishmas in memory of Shendel Gittel Bas Chaim Shaul, and we're grateful to our anonymous sponsors. We've been learning the Nesiva Shalom, the Slanam Rebbe, on Emuna. First we went through his entire uh, introduction, you have the packets in front of you, in which he talked about Emuna, living a life of faith, feeling Hashem's presence, His guiding hand on your shoulder, His warm embrace, is part of what it means to breathe as a Jew. That Emuna is not a philosophy, Emuna is a character trait, it's a way of life. And it should be something which is intuitive and instinctive. No one, you don't have to be reminded in the middle of the day, don't forget to breathe. We breathe naturally, it's a natural instinct. Um, and if we stop breathing, obviously our life ends. <coughs> Spiritually speaking, emuna is the breath that we take. We should take it as instinctively. That when something is happening around us and we're trying to interpret it, we're trying to absorb it, to integrate it, the way in which we do it is through the prism and the filter of emuna. So whether it's we're reading the newspaper, we're following the news, we hear about something that happened, we're concerned and anxious about something that will be, whatever area or aspect of our life is not interpreted through the pundits, it's not interpreted through the forecasters, it's not interpreted only through mental health professionals, but we interpret everything in our life through the prism of emuna, with gratitude to Hashem, with longing and, and uh, leaning and relying on Hashem, with an awareness that things aren't random, but rather that a sense that everything comes from Hashem. That's what we spoke about last Shabbos, Hashem Be'ech is Avram Bakol, that God blessed Avram with an attitude and a sense of kol. The attitude of everything is not necessarily that Avram had everything, he had just lost his wife, and he was just searching for a wife for his son. He didn't have everything, so to say, but it meant that he was able to see the big picture, the goodness all around him, to perceive that all that was happening was happening through Hashem. So that was the uh, Salam Rebbe's introduction, was about the significance of Emunah to leading a healthy, balanced life, to leading a happy life, and uh, it should be as instinctive as the breath that we take. Then the last time we began here in, uh, where he has the Aleph, and he quoted the Rambam about the foundation of life is to know that there's a first cause, that Hashem created the world and that He brought the world into being. And last time we focused on the idea that Amuna is not an all or nothing enterprise. It's not that either, you know, I'm one of those people that I see Hashem in everything, I believe in Hashem in everything. You know, I, I was, um, Art School just put out a new book on Rebbetz and Machlis, Allah Shalom. If you don't know who she was, she, she was a uh, just a regular person who grew up in Brooklyn and went to Central, I think Stern, um, ended up moving to Israel. And she and her husband, her husband, Rabbi Machlis, um, who's a Rebbe, became just extraordinary people, angels on earth that you can't believe. Um, they host 150 people for a Shabbos meal in their small apartment. Every Shabbos meal. Every single Shabbos. Anyway, there's a thick, thick book about her. And on the one hand, I was, I was looking at it this past Shabbos, and on the one hand, it's beyond inspiring to read. 
beyond inspiring. You read it, it's unbelievable. And on the other hand, you just feel pathetic and inadequate and right. like, what am I worth? What is my life? Why am I even here? I'm an utter and total failure. I, can't, I don't even justify the air that I breathe. You know, you, you read about just crazy stories. Her, a good friend of mine married her daughter, um, Rabbi Avram Willig. And, uh, he, you know, he told stories. Uh, he's included in the book a lot. But even the fact that at the end of her life, she was in Sloan Kettering, she was suffering. Someone came to visit her, and she wasn't in her bed because she had allowed a homeless person she knew to come sleep in her hospital bed, and she was sitting in a wheelchair in the hall. I mean, just, that, that's not, not believable. So one of the highlights of the book, it talks all about her emuna. And there's the testimony from her children, grandchildren, friends, how her emuna was on such a level that when... Something seemed like it was going wrong, you know, 150 guests were coming, they ran out of chicken, they couldn't deliver the chicken, what's going to be, the oven was broken, you're now within the amount of time that even if the oven were fixed, you couldn't cook the chicken for the 150 people. And, and in the book, multiple people tell stories that when it ended up working out, while everyone else was like, wow, what a story, that's unbelievable, what Russian material, wow, what a miracle. She was like, yeah, no, Hashem came through, that's what he does. You know, it just... Yeah, that's, that's, there's nothing that's miraculous. I leaned on Hashem, and he came through. So again, you read that book, and, and you just think that that's what it means to have emunah. To be Rebetz and Machlis, Zichron Olivracha. That's emunah. Me, I'm a pathetic, lowly nothing. So the Slavim Rebbe, we spent last time saying, says, emunah's not all or nothing. Emunah waxes and wanes, it's cyclical, it has highs and lows and ups and downs. And we talked about Avram and the Akedah and the Medrash, and the way Nacham interprets it, that Avram on the way to the Akedah, those three days, it wasn't just linear. It wasn't that, oh, Hashem told me to do it. Three days later, he found himself ready to slaughter his son. There were moments where he said, I, I can't do this. This can't be what Hashem wants from me. I'm not in. So the notion that there's doubt within faith, doubt doesn't undermine faith. Sometimes it's the fact that doubt creeps in and we choose faith nonetheless that gives the faith meaning. That doesn't mean we don't strive for the faith of, of Rebetz and Machlis. But it means that if we have doubt that creeps in, and I think it's only human to have moments of doubt, to wonder where is God or why does He allow this to happen or where was He in that moment, that to overcome those moments of doubt, to choose faith despite the doubt, is what makes that faith the most meaningful. Rather than to suppress the doubt or to feel guilty about the doubt or to say, you know what, since I have doubt, I might as well walk away from the amuna. That's a cop-out. To say that because I sometimes am plagued with doubt, therefore I will not try to exercise my amuna muscle. It's a cop-out. Doubt doesn't undermine faith. Sometimes doubt is integral to faith. It's not something which is all or nothing. Okay, so that brings us up to where we are. Page Membez, Nesiva Shalom. Maimur Aleph, Sodeya Torah. We're up to paragraph Bez. We're on the second page of the booklet. Harambam. Trying to block the people behind you. Harambam. Behemshech Dvarov. The Rambam, he began by quoting the Rambam at the opening paragraph of Hilchos Yisodei Torah, right? That Yisodei Yisodos Amadachachmos, the foundation of all knowledge and the pillar of all wisdom. So now he's continuing with the Rambam in Hilchos Yisodei Torah, but now Halacha Vav. The Yediyas Davar Zeh, Mitzvah Saseh, to know that there is a God is a positive commandment. Shenema Anochi Hashem Alokecha. The first of the Ten Commandments, God turns to us and said, Okay, you ready? Here are the ten big ones. Here are the ten big categories, which the Mepharshim say, in which all the other ones fit. So here's number one of the ten. Know that I'm here. Know that I exist. 
see me in your life. I'm actually learning um, with my daughter for her bat mitzvah about Amuna Hilchos Torah, this paragraph in the Rambam. And we were talking about just the other day how we don't think of that as a mitzvah. We think of it as, you know, I got to hear the shofar, take the lulav and light the Shabbos candles, I got to put on the tamas and the tefillin, I got to eat kosher, I have to daven, I have to mitzvah, 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 mitzvah. But then in the middle of the day something happens and you say, Hashem, come through for me. We think of that as something else. You know, something uh, touchy-feely, hibi-jibi, um, spiritual. That's a mitzvah. Of the Tariq, the 613 mitzvahs, in the column upstairs where I get a check, every moment where I feel Anochi Hashem Hokecha, for the Rambam, every time I say, wow Hashem, thank you, that was amazing. Please Hashem, I need your help. Hashem, I'm protesting, why is it such and such is happening? Every time you involve Hashem in your life, Anochi Hashem Hokecha. You fulfilled a mitzvah like these other mitzvahs. And the, uh, the uh, Rambam also writes at the beginning of Sefer HaMitzvahs, Mitzvah Rishona Hutzivoy Baha'amana Se'elokus. The foundational mitzvah, the first mitzvah, before you get to shofar, lulav, candle lighting, before you get to Hanukkah, before you get to anything else. The first fundamental mitzvah, the foundation of all mitzvahs, is to know that there's a God, that you're in a relationship. To know that there is a first cause a source of everything else. So, the first thing is to know that you're in a relationship. You know, somebody says to you, can you do X, Y, and Z for me? And they're asking you to do something really... So you say, one second, I just, what's the nature of our relationship? Are we, are we dating? Are we married? Are we, is there, are, we committed? are we in a committed relationship here? What's going on here? Let's establish the relationship and now we can talk about the terms of the relationship and the expectations of the relationship. But sometimes you've not been explicit in understanding what's the nature of the relationship and what, before you start getting onto the terms of the relationship. So mitzvahs are the terms of the relationship. Mitzvahs are an articulation of here are my needs, what are your needs, let's find a way to satisfy each other's needs. But it begins by saying, well, what's the nature of our relationship? And the answer is, Hashem exists and He's in our life. And I spoke about earlier this morning, the Sha'ar Mitzvila, you can listen to online or watch online, that... It's a fundamental error to think God is so great that He's only involved in the big things. God is involved in world peace. God is involved in preventing tsunamis and global war. God is involved in the big things. But like the little things about my being stuck at carpool and running late, and that, the little things about I reached in my pocket for a dime, I pulled out a quarter, the little, my little insignificant petty life, God is too great to be involved in that. That's a fundamental mistake. It's an act of heresy. Now, just as you would understand that it's heretical to say anything is beyond God, it's too big for God, it's equally heretical to say anything is too small for God. Nothing is too big and nothing is too small. We'll say in halal tomorrow. God is in the heavens, He's phenomenal, He's fantastic, He's great, He's the Almighty, He's omnipotent, He's infinite, and yet, He lowers Himself to be here. So, Anochi Hashem Lokecha. Harambam, the Slonim Rebbe points out, that we take everything I just said for granted. Yes, the first mitzvah is to believe in God, to define the nature of the relationship. He created me. I'm in a loving relationship with Him. The Rambam, in saying that this is a mitzvah, he's disagreeing with the Bahag. Who's the Bahag? Bahag's not his name. Bahag is an acronym for the Baal Halachos Gedolos. I, I think we're not sure. I haven't looked it up. But I think that we're not sure the, the name of the author. One of the Baal Yatosvos. 
He lived in the period of the Franco-German Tosafists in medieval times. So the Bahag, the Baal Allah is Gedolo, Shalomana inyin emuna bechlal amitzvos b'minyin tayag. When the Bahag, the Gemara at the end of Makos says, there's 613 mitzvos. We have a tradition based on a derivation from Sukkim that we have 613 mitzvos. We don't really, I'll tell you a secret, we don't really have 613 mitzvos. It's not such a secret. We have many, many, many more. If you just live a day or a week as a Jew, you know we have many, many, many more than 613 because we have subcategories and derivations and, and rabbinic rules that have come up. Nevertheless, we have this tradition that says that magic number, which is the code to every Jewish suitcase and briefcase for all time, <laughs> that magic number is six. Right. If you take a JetBlue flight, New York, Florida, and you can't open the luggage, just assume try 613. <laughs> It's an excellent chance it'll work. So they, they learn from Sukkim that we have 613 mitzvahs. Great. Now the Rishonim go through the exercise of figuring out what are the rules and principles that will apply in order to figure out how we can take these many more mitzvahs and fit them into 613. So the Rambam has, has his Sefer on mitzvahs and he comes up with all these rules. So I'll give you an example. <clears throat> we have how many categories of forbidden labor, creative labor are there on Shabbos? There are 39. Lama Tes Malachos. 39 categories of creative labor. The Rambam says, but all that fits under the prohibition of doing malacha. You can't do creative labor. So true, there are 39 different prohibitions of creative labor. I'm going to count it as one because it's really one theme. And I'm not going to take up 39 out of my 613. I count it as one. He's got, the Rambam has his rules. The Ramban writes a has, his Hasagos. The Ramban wrote a commentary in the Rambam Sefer HaMitzvah to say, I disagree with your rules, and I disagree with its application. You left this out, you should have put this in. I put this in, you left it out, and so on. So the Ramban, and the Rambam, and Rav Sadyagon, and the Bahag, and we have a long list of Rishonim who take that magic number, 613, and they try to figure out, how do you get all the mitzvahs to fit in? So when the Bahag comes up with his list of 613, he leaves out Amunah. The Rambam says, you know what, one of my 613 is not only one of my 613. Says the Rambam, it's number one out of all 613. Because the next 612 don't matter if you don't believe number one. That there's a God. He created the universe. He's intimately involved in your life. He has expectations from you. He loves you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. We agree? We got that down? Fantastic. Here are 612 more that are going to enhance that relationship and make it more beautiful and add meaning and purpose to your life. Comes along the Bahag and he says, Shofar, Lulav, Candlelight, Shavuot, Kashrus. What about believing in God's existence? Eh, not included. Why? And the Ramban Mavar, Shita Sabahag, She'ein Lichlol Batariag Mitzvos, Elama She'ein Mitzvosav, Ogzeirosav Yisparach Lasos, Olo Lasos. Amal Amuna Be'elokimi, Ikar Vashoroshim, Imenu Noldo Mitzvos, Ve'ein Lach Niso Beminion. So the Ramban comes along and he explains the Bahag's position. Why did the Bahag leave Amuna out? Because when it comes to emuna, when it comes to the other mitzvahs that are counted for the bahag, it's all do's and don'ts. You can choose to do this. You could choose to ignore the don't do that. It's all do's and don'ts. Emuna is a fundamental philosophy. It's a pillar of life. It's the air we breathe. So, you know, I have to tell you, my children, I teach them, say please, say thank you, pick up your laundry off the floor, do your homework. Do we have to instruct our children... Oh, and don't forget to breathe. <clears throat> don't forget to breathe. Did you breathe today? How did your breathing go today? Breathing is a natural... You're not alive without breathing. And it's instinctive and intuitive and it's a natural... Imp- we don't have to tell you to breathe. 
So for the Bahag, believing in God is so fundamental that it's not included in the count. It's so necessary slash so obvious that it's not included in the actual count. The count are the things that you impose upon that. Fun- so you're breathing, you're alive, fantastic. Pick your laundry off the floor, do your homework, say please, say thank you, go to bed on time, be respectful. But we take for granted breathing because you wouldn't be able, you're not alive spiritually if you don't believe in Hashem, if you don't feel His presence in your life, if you don't embrace the idea that you're in a relationship. And only after that do we have the mitzvahs. So the Bahag does not include it. Bir Dvar of Yesh Lefarish. So the Slam Rebbe wants to expand on this idea. Emunah is categorically different than all the other mitzvahs. When it comes to every other mitzvah, if I omit that particular rule, so I left, I didn't light Shabbos candles, so I didn't make Kiddush, so I didn't hear the shofar, so I didn't, whatever the mitzvah is. So all it is is, on that column, in the great list in the sky, there's no check. or There's an X next to that thing, but it's specific to the specific thing. But if there's an X next to Emunah, there's just, your whole file is shredded. <laughs> there's, no, there's no file. So in other words, if you did great on this mitzvah, you get a super big check, a double check, a star. If you left out that mitzvah, there's an X. But if there's no Emunah, there's no file. There's no list. There's no form. And if you don't begin your life, if it doesn't inform and inspire and guide your life, that there's Hashem, that He exists, that He's involved, then you're Ka'akum. You're as an Akum is an acronym for Avodas Kochavam, which we have mistakenly interchanged with the word Goy, which sometimes has a very derogatory name to it. It's not that, well, if you don't have emuna, you're a guy. There are many, 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 many goyim who have much, 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 much more emuna than many religious Jews. So, that, the Islam Rebbe is not using the term guy, certainly not the way some do in a derogatory way. He's using the acronym Akum. Akum is an acronym for Avodas Kochavim, which means an idolater, Umazalas, which means an idolater. So he says, if you don't even if you think you're an agnostic, if you erase God from the equation, you're an idolater. You may not be exchanging God for a particular idol, but you're exchanging God for the leap of faith in a world absent of God, which is also a form of idolatry. You know, in, in Rabbi, is it Rabbi Kellerman's book, Permission to Believe? So in his book, Permission to Believe, I think it's in his book, he talks about the fact that it takes, he, he goes through a lot of the science. He has a great book, Permission to Believe, Permission to Receive. He has a few volumes. And he talks about some of the scientific research that supports the idea, the, the, it's really statistical or mathematical research, the improbability that the world could be here by accident. How improbable that is. And he basically afterwards says, when you examine the evidence, and when you examine the statistics and how improbable it could be for this world to come to exist without a maker, without a creator, it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a believer. It takes more faith to be an atheist Who is the author? than by Kellerman, Lawrence Kellerman. It takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a believer. To be a believer is just to open your eyes and to realize this magnificent world, sophisticated intricacies, nuances. 
It's a, everything is a miracle. The other morning I was learning with a pediatric ENT and he was wearing his scrubs and I said, you know, what's on tap today? And he told me afterwards he had to go do a surgery. So what's the surgery? I'm always curious. And violating HIPAA laws, I have no idea who the patient was. What's the surgery? Oh, he has two surgeries, the same thing. He's got a huge <coughs> abscess in the back of the throat of a child that needs to be drained because it's blocking the airway. Big abscess. How does that happen? He says, well, a lymph node, we, our neck and our shoulders is filled with lymph nodes. And if a lymph node can get infected and it's not responsive to antibiotic, then it can blow up, it fills with pus. And if it's not drained, then it can block the airway and you could die. And this lymph node was sitting on the carotid artery. So I said to him, one second, we, we all, every human being has lymph nodes all over our neck. Why don't they get clogged? And why don't they, like, well, how come I never ever heard of this surgery before? He said, well, I do the surgery all the time. It's more common than you think. But you may never have met anyone in your numerous decades of life that actually had this, but it happens a lot. He said, I've been alive many years. I never heard of this. I said, what a miracle. We have this lymphatic system that's just pumping and working and taking care of, I'm not even sure what it's supposed to do, but whatever it's supposed to do, it's doing. And so, in other words, it's not that, Ay, Nebuch, there's a kid with this, there is no God, the world doesn't, has no meaning and order, you know, there's no God, there's no God, there's no God. No, it's the opposite. It's that, yes, there's that kid, and thank God we have the tools to help fix that issue, but why don't we look around at everybody else whose lymphatic system is working and the lymph nodes are not clogged and they're draining properly or doing whatever they're supposed to be doing and what a miracle it's an absolute miracle so it doesn't take an enormous leap to be a believer to me if you look around at the world and you see nature and you see you see the symphony the harmony that's going on all around us if your antenna's up it's not an enormous leap to be a believer but to insist to stubbornly and persistently insist on being an atheist and say, it's all chance, it's all random. Yes, it's 10 to the, this, the whatever that number is, that this all happened by accident. But you know what? I'm going to choose to believe that that improbable, almost impossible thing happened. It takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a believer. So fundamental to life, coming back to the Slanam Rebbe here. He says, if, if you live in this world and you erase God, if you're taking that leap, if you're having faith to be an atheist, you're also an idolater. Ah, there's no specific pagan, there's no specific idol, there's no specific sun or moon that you're bowing down to or worshipping, but you're worshipping the philosophy, you're worshipping, you're insisting on worshipping a world absent God. That's also idolatry. That's also idolatry. So, therefore he says, the Bahag doesn't count it. Because if you don't have Amuna, then the whole system doesn't exist. You know, yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, I took Lulav, I took Shofar, I did this, I did that. How are you doing on your belief in God? Oh no, I don't believe in God. So it's not that we give you a check on Shofar, check on Lulav, check on Shabbos, check on Kosher, check on, an X on Amuna. If there's an X on Amuna, there's just nothing else. There's nothing else. Now I will add, for sake of balance, there's a Gemara. I think it's a Yerushalmi and Chagiga, I don't remember. But there's a Gemara that says, based on a Pasuk in Navi, in Yeshaya, Halavai, says the Gemara, God says, I wish they would do what I ask, even if they don't believe I exist. If it's a choice between their believing I exist or doing what I'm asking, I wish they would embrace and do what I'm asking, even if they want to pre- deny that I'm here. 
That's a, it's a little different mitoch that's also it. Now, do the right thing because ultimately it will lead you to believing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more than that. Right? When, I, when I saw that Gemara, when I think about that Pasuk, I think what God is saying the following. If you have a child who you say, put your laundry in the hamper, go to sleep on time, please speak to me respectfully, please observe the curfew, please help me take the dishes away from dinner, and they just ignore you, ignore you, ignore you, say no, 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 don't do anything, don't do anything, don't do anything. But then comes Mother's Day or Father's Day. <coughs> then comes your birthday. And ooh, do they write a card? Ooh, do they tell you how much they love you? What you mean in their life? How lucky they are that you're their mommy or Abba? And then you got the other kid who is not so expressive. The cards, you have to be reminded to say, Happy Father's Day to me. Doesn't remember it's my birthday. But every time you say, Could you help clear the table? Without your asking, they clear the table. As a parent, which child would you prefer? You say to the kid, do me a favor. Spare the I love you, I love you, I love you. And just do what I ask you to do. And we hope if I do, you're doing what I'm asking you to do, it's going to produce and yield a sense of love and closeness. And you're doing the right thing. So I think that's what that means. That Hashem is saying, you know, I'm asking you to do what I've asked you to do, not for me. I've asked you to do it for you. Because it's going to give you the greatest fulfillment, satisfaction, the most meaning in your life. Do what I'm asking you to do. It's going to lead to a relationship with me. You want to say you don't believe I'm here? No problem. Say that. Go with that. I'm cool with that if that's what it takes. But just do what I'm asking you to do because that's what's necessary to heal the world and to have the most beautiful world. That's what's necessary for you to have the most satisfying, fulfilling life. So I'm just offering balance to what he's saying. But the Ramban is explaining the Bahag who says, if you don't have that fundamental principle, you don't see Hashem in your life, you're not reaching out to Him, you're not dependent on Him, you're not grateful to Him and so on, then the rest of it is just not there. So now the Salaam Rebbe says, now that we've explained the Bahag, how do you understand the Rambam? Right? We began by saying, the Rambam says 613 mitzvahs, mitzvah number one, belief in God. Now we explain the Bahag doesn't even include belief in God in his list. Why? Because it's so fundamental, it doesn't belong in a list. You know what? That's a pretty good point. So how does the Rambam, why does the Rambam include him in a list? For the Rambam, can you have an X next to Emuna and still have checks next to the other thing? Doesn't make sense. Says the Slam Rebbe, we're on the second paragraph, the left-hand column, page Membeis. Odiyesh lahavin belashon Rabbeinu, shehizkir enyan emuna belashon yediya, leda sheyesh sham matzui. Wow. The Rambam does not use the word belief. The Rambam does not talk about believing in God. We use that term. Faith, belief, leap of faith. The Rambam doesn't say that. What word does the Rambam use? Yediyah. Leda. What does Yediyah mean? To know. Yediyah is davar zeh mitzvah asay. Says the Rambam, knowing this, knowing there's a God, it's a positive commandment. V'yesh l'dayek mizeh, ki ha-mitzvah hi lahasigis ha-emuna mitoch Yediyah v'chakira. For the Rambam, emuna is not an emotion. Of course it's an emotion. If, if you have the knowledge of a relationship, it should create a feeling. So if you're living with Emuna, you feel close to Hashem, there are feelings and emotions that come with it. But the commandment of Emuna, the mitzvah of Emuna, is not a mitzvah that's regulating our emotion. What's it regulating? Our intellect, our knowledge. The mitzvah is Leda. The mitzvah is go to Goldberg's Emuna Shira on Wednesday morning. The mitzvah is open the Rambam and read about it. The mitzvah is go on Amazon and buy permission to believe. I should get a cut. Permission to believe. <laughs> Rabbi Kellerman, if you're listening. Permission to believe. 
Go online and buy Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs' amazing books that reinforce Emuna. For the Rambam, it's not go into the field and sit in Indian style and meditate and sing Kumbaya and feel Hashem filling your heart because you repeat the mantra. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We talked about mindfulness and right. how it's doing that can... It, it's important. It's a level. It's a level. Maybe it's the highest level. It's important. But for the Rambam, it's not the mitzvah. Right. For the Rambam, if you never got into the field in Indian style and, and with the mantra, that's not the mitzvah. For the Rambam, the mitzvah is leda, investigate, research, contemplate, and draw the conclusion. So the Rambam, in Mishnah Torah, he says, the mitzvah is to know. In the Sefer HaMitzvah, he says, it's shena'amin, emuna. It's to believe. And here the Shalom Rebbe is contrasting. Yediyah is the knowledge that results from investigation, contemplation, whereas emuna is emuna pshuta. Emuna pshuta. You know what emuna pshuta is? We still have... Jews from the Alterheim. You find a Jew from the Alterheim who lived and survived the Holocaust and who comes to Davin. He's pouring out his heart or her heart saying to Hillam and they're faithful to Hashem. And, and, and you say to them, well, how do you know God exists? And what do you think of St. Thomas Aquinas' proof for God's existence? And what do, you do with the, what do you do with Stephen Hawking's arguments for how God doesn't exist? And they look at you and say, I don't know what you're talking about, but you're talking about my father. Don't talk about my father that way. I love him. I talk to him. He's involved in my life. I don't know what you're talking about. I can't answer your questions. I never thought about that. I don't want to think about that. I have no idea what you're talking about. All I know is, Hashem loves me. I love him. We talk to each other all day. Leave me alone. That's Amun Apshuta. Amun Apshuta is Tevya. Right? Who's in the barn. And he's talking all day to Hashem. That's Amun Apshuta. Can Tevya open a Rambam? Can Tevya read philosophy, Katevya answer the challenges and questions about how you know God exists, it's a different language, he wouldn't speak a language. But it's a munapshuta. It's a munapshuta. So which is it? Ask the Salam Rebbe for the Rambam, which is it? Are we talking about Yediyah, Leda? Should you be investigating, contemplating research, study groups, debates, and drawing conclusions? Were you supposed to take that? A munapshuta. I feel him, he's here. V'zeka maimar ha-besht, ha-kadosh, as the Baal Shem told us, that the Besh said, which one leads to the other one? Do you start with Amunah Pshuta, and then as you become more sophisticated and mature and ask the questions in advance, you contemplate and you get to the level of Yediyah? Or do you start with Yediyah where you're asking and contemplating and researching, and in the end it leads you to Amunah Pshuta? So I would have thought the first Start with Amun Apshuta, take the leap, do the right thing, and now let's talk and let's investigate and we'll get there. But the Bashem had a tradition that's the opposite. You can investigate and research, and at the end of the day, you know what? Maybe it'll offer clarity, maybe it won't, maybe it'll be compelling, maybe it won't. All of that will lead that the highest level where you're headed is Amun Apshuta. And this was the opinion of the righteous of earlier generations. That specifically actually to avoid over analysis and over investigation. As it says, You know, there are some things that are beyond 
being accessible or articulated or sometimes you feel so in love I would say love sometimes love is so powerful and so strong that it can't be articulated or captured with words it can't be limited or fit in a box it's so strong and it's so powerful and it's so transcendent that it just is you know there are there are knowledges that we have that we know them as much as we know anything even though we can't explain it to anyone knowledge is about our children you know how often does a parent or more accurately a mother intuit something wrong with their child which they take to the 15 doctors who say there's nothing wrong and they did every test under the sun and the mother says I'm telling you and they can't articulate in communication in, in, in a battle of evidence it's, it's 100 to nothing the doctors say there's nothing but the mother insists because in the end and how many stories are there that the mother was right because she knew there's just an example off the top of my head I'm sure there's better examples of knowledge we can have that we can't necessarily make the argument for or supply the evidence towards or even communicate with words and yet we know it as much as we know anything else in the world and says the Salaam Rebbe that's the highest level of Amuna. now I do want to add the caveat or disclaimer <coughs> that we're living in a very different time than our Babas and Zaydas and our ancestors did in Eastern Europe and beyond. We're living in the information age. We're living in the age of critical thinking and challenges. We're living in the age of social media and everyone has a blog. We're living in a very, very different world where people are actually the culture of the time in which we're living. We, I think, it's not, it's still something which is not natural to us, but to our children or grandchildren, you need to know that it's completely natural. They are living in a world in which they're being taught to challenge everything, not to blindly accept anything. That it's somehow a lower level to just blindly accept. Challenge. Challenge the teacher, challenge the doctor, challenge the rabbi. Don't blindly accept anything because you have now something that no one else had before. It's called Google. So what are you accepting that that's the diagnosis? Why are you accepting that that's the accurate portrayal of history? Why are you accepting that that's the analysis of the... What are you accepting that that's the halacha? Google it. And you've got gazillions of terabytes in milliseconds at your fingertips. You now know more than whoever told you the thing that you're challenging. And therefore the, the, the really pervasive culture and atmosphere out there with children at every level is don't accept anything blindly, challenge everything. So I'm not sure it works in today's day and age, and I want to make that clear, if our children start asking questions and want to know, to say, let me tell you about your great-grandparents. They were illiterate, but they knew there was God. Let me tell you about the Alterheim. They couldn't <coughs> open a look at, read, no, Google, schmoogle, but they, they lived with Hashem as if He was... It's worth telling that to them. It's worth telling it to them. But I don't know that it's fair to hold them to that standard. I don't know it's fair to expect it from them. You know, Bashir Husham. We have to interact with ourselves and with each generation where they are, where they're at. And that's a very, very, very important thing to know. But within our own world and with our own bar that we're setting for ourselves, we should be aware that in our tradition, Amun Apshut is the higher level. Go through the analysis, do the research, spend the time. But in the end of the day, 
It's got to be in your kishkas. At the end of the day, it's the amun apshuta. It's to know. It's to know. There is a knowledge which is beyond Hasaga. You know what he's saying here? And I, I don't remember if I've shared this before in this context. But my, um, my bubby, my mother's mother, her favorite Pasuk in all of Tehillim, Torah, and Davening, and it was particularly on her lips in her final days, was Tamu Uru Kitov Hashem. Taste and you will see that Hashem is good. Ta'amu uru'u kitov Hashem. Ta'amu. By the way, it's not a coincidence. The same word ta'am <coughs> means reason, and it means taste. But ta'amu uru'u kitov Hashem. The philosophy of ta'amu uru, what David HaMelech was telling us is, you know, we can talk about from morning till night till we're blue in the face. Is there a God? Is there not a God? Is Shabbos real? Should we keep kosher? This is Torah true. You know what? Ta'amu uru'u. I didn't convince you? Do me a favor. Taste it. Try it. Try it. We visited the Coke factory in Atlanta a few summers ago, years ago. I don't remember when it was. And they had the history of Coca-Cola there. This I told you this before. The, uh, the history of Coca-Cola there. And when Coke Fair first began, it was a syrup that you bought the syrup and then mixed it with water. They used to sell it in pharmacies. They had a dispenser on the counter in the pharmacy and you bought the syrup and then you diluted it in water and you drank it as a drink. And guess what? It didn't sell. It did not catch on. So the founders of Coke came up with this great idea. You know what? Why don't we offer free taste? Nobody's buying some syrup and mixing it with water and taste it. They don't, you're not going to invest. You're not going to spend the money if you don't know it's good. But what if we let everyone have a free taste and then they're going to get hooked? And the Kachava, Coca-Cola, is now Coca-Cola. The rest is history. So that philosophy is Tamuru Kitov Hashem. Give a free taste. Because once you taste it, and you see how delicious it is, you're going to get hooked. The Lubavitcher Rebbe, that's all, that was his whole philosophy of the campaign of lighting Shabbos candles. Tefillin and Shabbos candles. He said, you know what? You can run, he didn't name them, I am, but you can run discovery seminars, and you can run this seminar, and you can run that seminar, and you can go through these codes, and you can go through this evidence, and you can talk about these wonders of Jewish history, and you can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and people will go, ooh, wow, that's unbelievable, that's fantastic, I believe. And then they walk out and they go back to their life. Or you could give someone the experience of lighting Shabbos candles. You could give them that ritual of every week on Friday night thinking about their children or hoping to have children or wanting to have peace of the imagery of the light illuminating, dispelling the darkness. You could tell a man the ritual of putting on tefillin, connecting the heart and the brain, experiential. The Rebbe was convinced you give people that experience and give them the taste. Don't tell them you know, the Mitzvah Tank, the Wall Street Journal had an article a couple weeks ago on the Mitzvah Tank. I know the rabbi in the Mitzvah Tank. He's an amazing person. The Mitzvah Tank that drives around Manhattan. And uh, the rabbi called it a tank because he said we're in a war against assimilation. And, and our weaponry in the war, it's a tank, is a Mitzvah Tank. It's a bus which is configured to do mitzvahs. They're unbelievable things, you know. There have been weddings and brisses and getting written and filling all on the bus. The bus drives around Manhattan and does... It's unbelievable what's going on in that bus. So... The, the mitzvah tank. So the Rebbe doesn't invite people in the mitzvah tank and say, come into the mitzvah tank, we're going to do seminars to prove to you God exists. Come into the mitzvah tank, let me do a mitzvah, bring a smile to your face, feel how good it is, tamuru'u, taste it, it's delicious. And when you taste it, it's delicious, you're going to get hooked. It's going to be addictive, you're going to want more. And that's what the Rebbe is saying from this tradition from the Baal Shem Tov. 
Yeah, you can make the arguments, you can do the investigation. I'm not knocking that. Buy the books, read them, satisfy the curiosity, be inquisitive. But know in the end of the day that the highest level, take a taste. And you will see. That's how confident we are in the system. Let's just get to the Gimel. He says there was a tradition that even though we have great rabbis, the Rambam wrote his Mor Nevuchim, the guide to the perplexed. And Rabbi Yudah Levi wrote his Kuzari. All deal with the philosophy, the evidence of Hashem's existence. But he said we have a tradition that we don't just let anyone read those books. You have to be on a certain level. Because what happens if you read the question and you find the question compelling and either you never make it to the answer or the answer doesn't satisfy you. Now you get in trouble. When the Ramah talks about the 13 principles of Judaism, the Ramah says that you can reduce the philosophy of Judaism to 13 principles. And those are the 13 principles that are the core principles of what define a Jew. A non-Jew in the mikvah wants to convert. Here are the 13 principles. Go one by You got them? You believe in them? If you come up short, it's debatable. Different people have different numbers. Um, Professor Shapiro wrote a whole book about how the Rambam is not necessarily the authority. It's not the 13. Although the Rambam's 13 made it into the Siddur. Look at the end of Shacharis, his Animam. No one's ever written a song to the Animamins about any of the other Rishonim. Our Animamin goes with the Rambam's Animamin. So how does the Rambam introduce each of the 13 principles? Animamin. Not Aniodea. Not I have knowledge. But the higher level. Animamin. I believe with every fiber of my being that there's one God, He's the source of everything. I believe with every fiber of my being that the Torah is God's word, it's God's will, it's God's blueprint for this world. I believe with every fiber of my being that there will be a redemption, that the world will, will be repaired, Mashiach will come, that there is a, a greater purpose, and so on. It's a pasuk from the Navi Hoshea. Men say it every morning when we wind the tefillin around our finger. It's a very beautiful practice. When we wind the tefillin around our finger, which is the same as putting on a ring, we say ve'erastich. Erastich is like erusin. When the couple get married, they have erusin. Every morning when we put the tefillin on, it's God putting a ring on our finger and proposing to us. Our accepting. I am betrothed to you through Emunah. And that betrothal, that engagement, that wedding has both components. I know and I have belief in our relationship. Okay, so the Salam Rebbe is a Hasidic Rebbe, and he has a tradition that once the Zohar was revealed, and the Baal Shem Tov, and the Hasidic Shesfarim, we no longer need the Rambam Moranavuch and the Kuzari, we no longer embrace the attitude of investigation and, and, uh, and uh, evaluation and analysis. Now we promote the world of Amun Apshuta. It's possible, as I said earlier, the pendulum has swung back because of the world in which we live, the information age, that we have to reintroduce the investigation and the analysis. Um, but, but what the Shlom Rebbe is ultimately saying, what I want to leave you with, is that there's a balance. There's a balance. Part of knowing Hashem is in our life, feeling Him in our life, 
when we're about to go on with our day, making a bracha before everything we eat, thanking Him after everything that goes right, thanking Him when we come out of the bathroom, relying on Him when we get stuck in traffic, turning to Him for what we're nervous about. Part of that stems from a yidiyah, that if you examine the evidence, there's compelling that He's here. But a good part of it is that emunah pshuta, tamuru Hashem. Taste it. Taste the life of living with Amuna. See the calm, the tranquility. See what it does for your health, your relationships. See what it does for living in the present. Taste Tamaru. Taste what it's like to live with Amuna, and you'll be hooked. You'll never turn back. Have a fantastic day and a good Chodesh. <laughs>